So here we're going to do some introductory stuff that I think is just plain fun. Uh, and this will allow us to take, this is our big picture look at Isaiah that will allow us to spend time with the, these chapters in class. So we're going to, we want to review the structure of Isaiah thus far. So we had, we've done this kind of thing before, but we want to just keep tracking where we're at. So we've had the preface, we had this kind of pride cycle chapters in Isaiah's call, which again was kind of the highlight of how to break the pride cycle and, and volunteer to humble yourself. But then 7 through 12 was more of the pride cycle. Then we had the address to the nations. Uh, we have had the songs of victory for the righteous and uh, the warning for those who don't listen, those who will not be, aren't righteous and thus don't achieve the victory. And then we had the impending destruction and the salvation of Judah, uh, which is uh, historical stuff, but that in many ways carries the central me uh, message of Isaiah. Um, and then we get a new theme being introduced in chapter 40, although in a way it's really just another way of going through the same theme, this idea that uh, salvation is available through God. That ends up being the theme of everything in the gospel, really. Uh, but interestingly, this uh, we could say that this theme is in chapters 40 through 57, that the world fails you, but God delivers. That's a theme we've encountered a number of times where we talk about Egypt as a symbol of trusting in the power of the world and so on. But that's really the, the center of, of uh, the central theme of these chapters, 40 through 57. But I am proud to announce that it's delivered as a chiasmus. This is something that, uh, that I figured out when I was writing uh, my commentary that I, I noticed that I, I don't think has been taught elsewhere. But it seems to me fairly clear that this theme is arranged within these chapters as a chiasmus. So, Here's the chiasmus. It's long and it looks a little bit complicated, but let's kind of go through it just point by point. The, the beginning and ending phrases, it begins by saying that God will comfort his people, and then it ends with kind of that opposite, that there is no peace or comfort for the wicked, but those who come to God will be comforted. And so you're going to see there's a contrast here in, in many of these prayers between what happens for those who make and keep covenants and those who do not. If we move on to B, uh, and B prime, we get uh, the address to the Gentiles, that the Gentiles must learn that God is the only true king and God, and his power uh, makes it so that he can accomplish his work. And in, in uh, parallel with that is the Gentiles can be a part of the covenant, and all who truly keep the covenant will be blessed by God's power. And so it's still to the Gentiles, but in this case, focusing on that they can be part of the covenant. C is that uh, Israel is God's servant. And God empowers all of his servants to bless the world with his, covenant, uh, with his covenant so they can be saved. And C prime is God fulfills the blessings of his covenant, but the world does not have the power to save. So again, you get that, that contrast. In D, we get the idea that Israel will be redeemed. Those who choose God will be justified, and those who don't will be humbled. Uh, and D prime in parallel with it is breaking the covenant means that you will have to be humbled, but God will redeem those who have been humbled and then return to him so that they can, he can restore covenant uh, blessings to them. E, we have God can and will redeem a non-idolatrous Israel. And prime, E prime is God redeems his people through his servants. So again, this uh, covenant people being redeemed, we're going to start to see in this uh, chiasm as we, work, as we work further in, the emphasis on the servant. Such as in F, God delivers his people through Cyrus. That's the Persian emperor Cyrus. God empowers his servants. He calls Cyrus his servant. God empowers his servants to make it so that his will can be accomplished to deliver his people. 
F prime is Israel's been humbled, but a beautiful day of freedom and deliverance is available through a special servant to anyone who chooses to serve God. G is it is vain to follow the world and its false gods who have no power. And G prime is servants who trust in God and keep covenant will be redeemed, but those who follow the world and its gods will fail. Uh, H, it is vain to trust in the world and its powers, for it will always fail since it cannot save you as God can. And H prime is God never abandons or fails his people, but rather saves them even though deliverance comes at a great cost to him and his servant. Uh, so you see again the contrast between the world and God there. Now, of course, uh, a chiasmus, its focal point is at the center. So we have I and I prime. God will save his covenant people even if he has to humble them, and his servant will help God deliver his covenant people. So remember, a chiasmus, whether you recognize it or not, you naturally end up focusing on the central element. So if you were to read all of these chapters, your overall impression would be that God saves his covenant people using a servant. Um, and, but recognizing it helps that message come home all the more powerfully. So uh, there are some repeated themes in this chiasmus. These are themes I want you to look for again and again and again. One of those is that the world cannot deliver. This is one of the, the great purposes of this chiasmus is to make sure we understand that the world cannot deliver, but God can and will deliver his people. All right. But in a connection with that, one must be keeping the covenant with God to be delivered. That's, that's the only way to receive that delivering power that he is so willing to extend. If one is not keeping the covenant, he will humble you in an effort to try and get you to keep the covenant. And then uh, the covenant is available to everyone. Everyone should be part of the covenant. You'll have to humble yourself to, to make that. And finally, God will send servants to help his delivering purposes be accomplished. All right, so the servants have a special role in the deliverance that comes to those who are in the covenant is maybe the way to summarize all of this. All right, so the central theme of the chiasmus is that central part that's really, really important, the, the kind of focus is God and his servants will deliver those who keep covenant. I want you to remember that in your life. This Isaiah wrote this amazingly elaborate, beautiful, structured set of, of prophecies so that you will always remember this. God and his servants will deliver those who keep covenant. Now, of course, Christ is the great servant who makes that possible, but other servants as well. Never forget that, all right? But there are overarching themes as well that are highlighted at the beginning and the end, and also throughout a, a bit, but they're especially at the beginning and end, and that is that everyone is welcome to make the covenant, but deliverance only comes to those who do uh, keep make and keep the covenant, all right? So if we're going to combine these, remember God will uh, and his servants will deliver those who keep the covenant, and everyone is willing to make that covenant, but if you don't, then deliverance isn't available for you. So I want you to look for this. We'll kind of come back to this at the beginning of every class period uh, as we go through this block of scriptures. But I want you to, and that will take us almost to the end of the semester, but I want you to look for this as you're doing your reading for today and, and throughout this uh, whole block. And I think you'll have a lot of fun doing that.